Before history is written, it's played. Before it's frozen in time, it's fought one shift at a time. Before it's etched in silver, it's carved in ice. What happens next will last forever. The Stanley Cup Final on ABC and ESPN Plus begins Saturday. Welcome to this week's Wolves Fancast. David Evans here on the podcast this week. It's the Old Gold Gold Glory crew. Old Gold Glory. I've said that right, haven't I? Old does that, Gold does that Glory. Mean we get to talk about the uh, the past rather than Saturday yeah. instead. We're just, we, we, uh, anything that was we're just good romanticise for 45 yeah. minutes rather than uh, talk about MK Dons at home. We could talk about old games against MK Dons. Oh, but, well, all but three the, of them. The, <laughs> <laughs> of course, I forgot it didn't exist. Um, I think they existed on Saturday afternoon. <laughs> Well, on the podcast this week, we're obviously going to talk about that game against MK Dons, and we'll preview the game at the weekend against Rotherham. Uh, but firstly, emails. We've been trying to get you to uh, email us in, and once again, no one's emailed us in. But I need to make this massive correction, because on the last podcast we did, um, I talked about an email from uh, Munchy Furball. Were you on the last podcast, no. John? No, I, I, for some reason I thought you were. Um, and he emailed us in last season about a game that he did, could I think, with all the fancast pundits, and we all had a good laugh. Uh, but it turned out that um, that email had come from a completely different person from Australia. Both these people from Australia, which is quite coincidental. Uh, so apologies to uh, the Bullbutt family, who uh, who actually sent that I think email in last time. So uh, yeah, so apologies for that. Um, Let's talk about Mike Williamson, Newcastle defender. Gone back because of an injury to which player at Newcastle? Do we know? Uh, I, I could never pronounce his name right. Is it is it Lassels, uh, the centre back, the one that they got from Forest? Uh, oh, Lassels. Lassels, that's yeah. it. Yeah, it's. Uh, so I think he was inevitable. I spotted he got injured at the weekend, and I thought I'd like to think it's not going to happen. But I knew that mm. Newcastle were down to the bare bones before they laying Williamson out, and uh, it's a shame because I think he's. I think he's done a lot of good for the side. I think he's. Uh, I think Danny looks reassured playing alongside him. I think he's. Uh, he certainly helped the fullbacks in, in in games as well. He's he's been he's been fairly vocal, which I think is another thing that we've missed. And I can't say I'm looking forward too much to the prospect of Evax Landall coming back into the fold, given what his form was like before he got injured. Um, but we'll see. Um, it's, it's going to be a different centre-back pairing, so let's cool. give them a chance before I write them off. Um, it, it's, it was that much-needed experience we needed. I mean, we only conceded three goals in five games with him in the defence. It, it made quite a difference, didn't it, really? It, it's, yeah. it, it's a big blow, I would say. I'm surprised that Newcastle hadn't recorded him before, given their problems in the Premier League in general. Or was it, but I know that he's not really rated up there, is he? That it would have been hard to justify without an injury, I think. Mm. Um, so especially so quickly, and there was I think there was times I think back in the last season when the, the, there was thought he'd be just, he was just going to be out of the club. Yeah, it's, it's definitely going to have an impact on Wolves. Um, and it, 
obviously with the round window having shut it couldn't have come up much worse time round. Yeah, it was not the worst time. For not that, not that there have been lots of people available to choose from anyway in that you know in that position that you would want. Um, so difficult one. Yeah, it, it's so happy at the minute, isn't it? It was <laughs> <laughs> really is. Um, let's do a takeover rumor, shall we? Which we might be able to quash on the podcast. Kevin Muscat leading Graham consortium. Will that one, I know that. <laughs> Kevin Muscat apparently leading consortium to buy Wolves. I know it'd be in every Wolves fan's dream for that to happen. But Graham has the intel on uh, K-Muscat and well, consortiums. I heard from a couple of people over the course of the weekend, naming no names, but they claimed that he was at the training ground on Tuesday of last week. ITK there? ITK? I just happened to talk to him on Tuesday of last week, and I have WhatsApp conversations to prove that. And he was very much in Melbourne, so either that's an incredible case of shape-shifting or he's defied all travel laws, I guess. <laughs> so I, I, can't, I can't, for the life of me, believe that he was here. Perhaps um, he was having a virtual tour. Maybe, well, anything's possible in this day and age, isn't it? It's like a drone <laughs> with, a, with a camera. God come, knows I've been come doing here, it. Come here, Kevin. It's, 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 it's like those uh, previews of Grand Central that they've been putting all over the internet for the last four years, and now it's actually here. It looks nothing like those concepts in the first place. So God knows what they're showing him. They're probably showing him that the ground redevelopment's happened and everything. But... I'll show you, Molyneux, because you've never seen it before. <laughs> <laughs> but um, I, I, I don't know. I think, I, I think the what people are trying to say is because I don't think he's going to have millions and millions of cash to inject in this venture. So I think it's going to be a case of like they often do with football takeovers. Uh, Niall Quinn at Sunderland's probably the obvious answer where they have a figurehead who goes out. He's the face face of the organisation and the owners stay very much in the background. But it seems just completely mm. random. What would be a dream scenario, John? Who would you like to see the face of a consortium taking over Wolves? What would you love to see? You'd wake up one day, you saw it, you're like, yeah, I like that. So I'm really giving me any thought, to be honest. Well, I'm putting um, you on the spot. <laughs> Olive <Oliver> Yana. <laughs> <laughs> no, no. Um, Matt Murray. Matt Murray. It's not going to happen, but you said, what would, what would I like? What would make me smile? Um, that would make me smile. How about Havard Flow? No. That would stop me in my tracks. I think the thing is, in that sort of situation, you've got to have a for someone to front up a consortium like that, and for the to, for the Wolves fans to automatically be on their side, they've got to be like a popular player from the from the past that's probably got a bit about them as well. Um, in 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 terms of someone being intelligent and articulate, I think Matt Murray ticks the boxes on that front. Possibly somebody like um, Andy Thompson would probably be considered in that sort of mm. bracket as well. Um, our friend Melise. All right. <laughs> um, well, the uh, takeover stuff's obviously going to continue until obviously we get took over. It's going to be a while. I know we've said this before, but it's going to be a while, isn't it? I think it's not going to happen overnight. Well, How about if I turn up and, and talk to someone at Wolves? Does that count as a, a conversation about takeover? Well, should we have a whip round? Then we can effectively be an interested consortium, couldn't yeah. we? Fancast well, Consortium, I've told you, we, we have this. John, John Syndicate can go and, uh, go and John, make a John's going to be the quiet person in the room <laughs> who keeps notes of everyone. Yeah, exactly. But no, I don't think anybody really knows what's going on, do they? That's the thing. We've got to be lucky as well, given the situation that's happening at Bolton at the minute. 
you know, they they could be in administration by the end of the week, and we're still, as far as we're aware, quite a sound financial club, given that we've technically got no owner. I think people perhaps may need to put that in perspective that we're asked, we should still be in a good position, given what happens to other teams in our league as well. How much have Bolton got to raise by the end of the week? I don't know, but someone I heard on the radio today that their own had already written off 185 million. Yeah, supposedly. So. It's, uh, it's, it's, sh- it's shocking, to, it's shocking yeah. to imagine that a club that's pretty much... I mean, when did, when did they get relegated? Was it the For, same... Yeah, same year as us, same, same season as us, and they're in that position. And we've... In, in terms of league position, we've been slightly worse off than them, but we've managed to keep ourselves on a fairly stable financial footing, which in this... In this day and age, should be applauded. Really, um, I mean, to not imagine, think, to imagine what's happened with Bolton. It's just you've got to give some credit to Morgan for that. You've got to give good credit to the Wolves fans as well for mm-hmm. turning up in good numbers when we were when we were down. Mm-hmm. I mean, that's helped to keep the ship afloat. Yeah. I mean, if we'd have dropped down to like ten or twelve thousand very quickly after the Championship relegation, we'd have been in a lot of trouble. Yeah. And final part then of the news bit: Old Gold Glory. We mentioned at the start of the podcast it's back for this season. The first issue, uh, the European Night issue. Gentlemen, please uh, describe to us what readers can find in the first issue of this season I in Old Glory. Graham can tell you a bit more than myself. He had more input on this one than um, Well, the famous European Knights. Uh, I'll go through my editor's, editor's welcome at the start. I drew the inspiration from this issue based on a conversation I had at um, when, I, when I first went to university in my early 20s, a long time ago. And I had a conversation with a couple of my housemates at the time and I described Wolverhampton Wanderers as being the Manchester United of the 1950s. And that was met with laughter. And I could kind of understand that because when I first started following football, I was looking through my dad's old programme collections and there was Aldershot Town away, Newport County away. And I was like, Dad, who are these teams? Why are Wolves playing these? Because I always thought we were kind of like a championship level club. I didn't see us playing like mm-hmm. low league football. So I can kind of understand why that, was met with laughter because at the time I think Wolves had only had one season of top flight football. But I told them the story about Billy Rice and Stan Cullis and the Homveg games and even the stories of the in, in, in the seventies where Wolves were in the first UEFA Cup final against Tottenham and they beat the likes of Juventus um, in famous famous matches and they used with uh, Phil Parks who was part of that famous UEFA Cup uh, campaign saved penalty in each leg of the semi-final ironically with the same leg against uh, Fens Faros both legs with the same leg yeah (laughs) (laughs) both legs with the same leg work that one out there's a riddle for you Um, you've got Steve Daly who was also part of that uh, part of that campaign Uh, player from the 50s called Bobby Mason who's one of only two Wolves players to score against Barcelona and Real Madrid oh wow Um, for those listeners out there that don't quite believe the words I've just said yes we did actually play Barcelona and Real Madrid and we did actually win one of those games we got absolutely stuffed by Barcelona I just always remember the friendly for you years ago now at home against Barcelona when we lost 3-2 where Simon Osborne got Xavi's shirt after the game yeah. Yeah. and um, Van, was Van Hal was actually the manager at that point and yeah, I think he, he was he yeah was and then there's um there's also an interview as part of a new feature we're doing where we're tracking down some of the foreign imports that have come into the club over the past few years. And you can, you, you, you're probably going to see uh, equal measures of the good, the bad the, and the downright ridiculous in this category over the next uh, next few issues. But 
We uh, met up with John DeWolf when he was over for the Blackpool game in January, and we had a we had a good good chat with him. And uh, the findings of that conversation are in this issue as well. Um, so yeah, it, we're hoping there's a bit of something for for everybody, and it can be a bit of an education process for the younger fans uh, that might not know. Uh, about these great games and these great achievements. So when when is it available? When can people get it? How can people get it, etc.? It's available now. Yeah. Um, you can go to www.oldgoldglory.co.uk and order it. It will be on sale at uh, the Forest and the Leeds games. And uh, if you keep an eye on our Twitter account, at Old Gold Glory, we'll update on where sellers are likely to be during those two games. So on Saturday, Wolves um, grounded out a nil-nil draw against uh, MK Dons. Only the third time in Wolves history that we've played MK Dons, as uh, John was alluding to before. Um, Wolves seem to have the chances, but just not that killer ball to get it in the back of the net, whereas MK Dons just basically defended for the whole game. Gentlemen, was it a bad performance, or was it like I just said, it just didn't fall for us on the day? I think so. Somewhere in between, probably. It wasn't a, it wasn't a bad performance. It wasn't just wasn't clinical, was it? Mm. Um, I, th- I thought that, uh, going to the game, I thought Wolves might struggle because there might be a lack of atmosphere. And I thought this could be a real funny game. This because the, the fans won't get. But I, th- I thought the fans did their best early on to re- to, mm. to lift. The, considering there was nothing from the opposition fans, what few there was of them, um, I thought the fans stuck with the team as well throughout the game quite well. Um, they made chances, not admittedly. For the amount of possession we had, probably not as many mm. as you, you could have, but they, they did make some good chances. Mm. I mean, a Fobie's had two or three really good chances. Mm. Um, you know, they should, should, have, should have done better with, to be fair. There was no real clear cut ones. I mean, the Fobie had a chance in the second half, which the keeper did well to save at the near right. The first half, anyway, with, with his left foot, he should have hit it early, and the keeper mm. virtually sat on it. Mm. And then he, he's put that one over the bar at the yeah, north the one, back back, scored, the one where he had his back to goal. Yeah, yeah. but he's too, he had plenty, he should have, should have done better with that. He, he had time to take another touch with that, really, yeah. didn't he? Yeah. But MK Dons, you know, try and be as respectful as we can. They they weren't the best team on the day, were they? They were, they were poor. They were a team we should have been easily beating. I thought they were probably one of the worst teams since League One mm. that we've you know in the last couple of seasons that we've seen down at Molyneux. Um, the tactics were poor. They still niggly fells that just progressively got worse as the game went on. There should have been at least five or six yellow cards during that period. Yeah, for but me. if there had been some booked early in the game, we might have been playing against ten. Now, I'm not saying we should have been looking to play against ten to try to beat MK Duns. I'm not looking at that as an excuse, but I mean, it, it I thought it wasn't great. I think in the first, just to just to say about the card situation there, I thought the ref actually did fairly well in the first half in order to let the game flow a bit more. Yeah, but I think. There were some shocking oversights in the second half, I and mean, particularly as he got towards closer to the end. Whereas I think you're right. I think if if, they'd, if those had occurred earlier in the game, even, he never even went back for the work for the incident where they were pulling a phobia short. So I, I think never even oh, went yeah. back. And, to I, and I, saw, I saw more of Benekafobia than I wanted to see at that stage <laughs> as well. And um, but um, going back to what you said, Dave, I think it was more. I think it was more a disappointing performance mm. than a particularly bad performance. But I think. I agree with John. I think MK were that poor, and it wasn't like Burnley a couple of weeks ago, where Burnley were Burnley were actually okay, but they were there for the taking. I think MK Dons were pretty poor, and we should have beaten them. It's um, it actually felt like Blackpool last season. You know, when we kind of we just about got the goal from right Edwards on, at the end, yeah. and then our Fobie scored, but we basically won the game. If Wolves had scored in the first ten minutes, we would have killed the game off then. I don't think MK Dons really would have 
come back and made a threat. Mm. And they had that a long way in shot, which Carla Kimmy did really well to save. Did you consider he hadn't been involved in the game? It was a good yeah. save, that was. Yeah. I agree. And that, I think that's why he sort of killed the game off if MK Dons had scored that. Yeah. I don't think Wolves would have no. thrown everything at MK Dons, but I just think they would have been solid enough to keep us out. That Fabi thing was just bizarre, though. I know he, he, he flourished early on in the season playing that slightly deeper number 10 type role, but at one point on Saturday, he was practically playing right back in the second yeah. half. He was, he, he was just one. getting deeper and deeper and deeper. And at this point, Lafondra's doing what he can to create space but he's got no support in the box mm. whatsoever and it's like our, our most prolific centre forward well I'm not sure I'm not sure we can really call him that at the minute but no. certainly our biggest goal threat is nowhere to be seen it's bizarre but I think it was a I, I, th- I think you're going to come on to selection at some point but I think there was a couple of real problems in that team that we set up with on Saturday I think we should I can't see why we're playing 22nd and going with just one up front. I think Lafondra should have started for me alongside of Phoebe. Especially um, you've got Holt on the bench. I know people were all start questioning Holt, but it's still a striker. It's a big guy you can put on to wrestle with the other strikers. The thing is, our best chance of getting a goal within the first half an hour of that game, which for me, I think I think would have, would have won us the game if we'd have got a goal in the first mm. half. You've got to have your two strikers on there and... and We've seen, we've seen Lafondre a few times this season that he, he's been able to grab a goal out of pretty much nothing. Um, and he's, he, he hasn't been given a lot of significant playing time. And and I think you, you kind of neutralise that attacking threat by just having just having a phobia there. And particularly when he's dropping, dropping deep towards the end of the game, I just don't see why... Lafondre is limited to just having 25 minutes towards the end, really, when we're in that situation where a goal could change it. And do, you, do you think Lafondre's done much for us this year? I, I, personally I think he's, uh, he's, 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 he's popped up with a couple of, couple of goals, but they've mostly been in games that, where, where, where the game's arguably been decided at the time. I think um, there, was the, there was the game I didn't see him play against uh, Charlton where he, where he got the winning goal. Mm. Uh, he scored against Derby, didn't he? And that was a goal out of pretty yeah. much nothing, mm. which... Had that have come at a different different mm. time during that game, it could have made a difference. But mm. I just think his contribution is. is but I think that's down, down, down to service as well, mm. John. And I think he needs to play in a combination. But I don't think mm. a phobia is the right combination. But I think Lafondra was brought in as an impact striker. I think obviously the plan would have been a phobia and Dico for the rest of the season. Lafondra would have been that player who he'd bring on for the last twenty five minutes, who would hassle defenders and get the odd goal. He, w- he wouldn't be the pro- prolific striker, but he would still. Typical goals, kind of like he hasn't, he kind of like Sam Vokes in the promotion season, who would come off the bench and he probably any a few games he'd get an up the odd goal or two. I don't know whether we've got the right type of player. I can see why Kenny Jackie wanted to link him up with Grant Holt at Bristol City because that make it makes sense in terms of what mm. Lafond has done in previously in his career. But just, I mean, don't even talk about Grant Holt. I mean, you were into Grant Holt there. I was nearly, I, nearly, I was nearly out the door and gone. <laughs> I mean, he's just he can't play. Holtomania. He's finished. He's finished. He won't. He won't play again he with until. He, he couldn't start the game because you wouldn't be. You, you might be taking him off at ten past three. But that, that's what I mean in the sense of that's why he's at least there to bring him on as a sub. Well, think, 10, 15 minutes. If you try, you're desperate for a goal. You have a tall man there. You bring him. And I think in some ways, although it feels like a bit of a desperation loan to me, that's the type of player that a we miss, we've been missing anyway under Jacket. But also, I think Jack, that's the type of player that Jack has been trying to get, especially with people like Chris Woods, who he was yeah, pursuing yeah. for a couple of years. Amiobi, to an extent. 
Yeah, think, someone like a Daryl Murphy, Chris Martin, yeah. Chris Wood, those top, but not Grant Holt. You're but talking if three years too late. I've got to, I've got to say on the subject of Grant Holt as well. I think if there hadn't have been these shenanigans with Enabakere over the last couple of weeks, he'd have probably have gone back by now. Hmm. I think I, I, I think he may well have done because I think his impacts. I, I, I'd be very surprised if he gets any more game time between now and when his loan expires in January because I just I, I, I can't see. I can't see what he brings. Let's try and talk positive. Somebody who had a uh, a good game, um, seemed to make a good impression to the crowd. Home debut for Jordan Graham. You're talking positives though, and he got taken off. Mm. And it's that that was another that was what I was going to come on to after I was talking about Lafondra with Graham because of the fact he was the only player. Uh, I, I, I like James Henry, and for all the will in the world, he, he tried hard on uh, Saturday, and it didn't quite come off for him, but. Graham was the player that was getting in behind defenders in the first half. He was beating them to the byline and he, he he was looking lively. And it looked like if we were going to score, it was probably going to come from the the move was going to come from Graham with mm. how he was playing. And then he gets substituted on something like fifty five minutes, and mm. I just I can't understand why. I know I know that I know that Ojo's played well coming off the bench and he's made an impact, but he's sacrificing a lad that's just broken into the team in his first time start and it just doesn't make a lot of sense to me. But performance on the pitch wise it was good from Graham. Yeah, he, he was made very, it was an impressive, impressive debut. It was, it was good and I think the only thing I would say is if he's going to play in that position I mean he, he could be really frightening if he got a, le- a good left foot because it, you can obviously see that the, the, the opposition are already happy to show him on his left foot. They, they, they don't want him coming inside because they know he can shoot from anywhere near the box, and they don't want him coming in. They're happy to show him outside, which is unusual for a wing player to be shown the outside, mm. and which is since quite strange when you're on the left-hand side of the box that he's trying to score with the outside of his boot, which okay nearly came off mm. and it looked great. But I'd be much happier if he if he could strike a ball with his left foot on that on that but side. But one of the time field. he did actually get to the byline and cross with his left. It wasn't actually a bad ball. No, it the wasn't. Box it wasn't. And no, but I think if he if he really developed that game and they didn't know which foot he was going to go on, I think the fright they would really put the frighteners mm-hmm. on him. To be honest, he looked a bit like um, it was it was almost a bit like Jarvis when Jarvis first arrived at the Wolves and he couldn't really use his left for much. Yeah, and. He eventually developed half a decent ball with his left foot, and I think uh, I think you're right with what you're saying. If he can get to that extent, I think time's definitely on his side as well. Oh, definitely, think, definitely. You know, you, you, you're looking if he if he if he can maintain this consistency. I think in two or three years, you're probably looking at a, a good player there. Definitely, the, but the positive out of it comes from Jordan for Jordan mm. Graham and from the fans. They got uh, something to take from the game yeah. in, in terms of that player. But the negative for that is. Why hasn't he been playing? What was he doing at Oxford? And what, what, why has he gone to Oxford when you've signed other players? He goes to Oxford, then he comes back, and he's coming back in front of players that you've signed since well, you've been away. that was the point I was going to make in the sense of Nathan Byrne. I mean, yeah. what, what's what's happened there? Ojo, I think perhaps there is, the, like Graham mentioned, the substitution thing. You bring him on late and he does seem to make that impact. But Nathan Byrne, you just think, what is Nathan Byrne not... And I don't think we've really seen enough of Nathan Byrne to make an assessment of... no. Well, you know, from a fan's point of view, obviously behind the scenes, you know, jacket and I made made that assessment. From fans' point, of view, we haven't seen enough of him to suggest whether actually he's good enough or not. I think if I think if James Henry hadn't been delivering week in week out seven out of ten performances, mm. I think we might have seen a bit more from Burn in his natural position on the right. But mm. I think it's, when I think when you've got Henry that's playing. You know, playing decent games week in week out, so I think it makes it very hard for Jacket to actually drop him because over the last over the last few seasons, in particular, when we've 
when Henry's tended to play well, Wolves have as well. I think mm. I think he, he's usually been a staple of the side that's been playing good football at the time. And I, I think that's one thing that Jacket will always keep in mind whenever whenever Henry's on the pitch. But I think there's got to come a point where they need to perhaps look at taking him off earlier in a game just to try and bring on an impact from a, from a, from another side rather mm. than just keep chopping and changing on the left wing all the time because it's been it's been going on all season. You've got you you got Ojo one week, Burn the next, Wallace the next. Where Wallace has gone, I don't even know because he mm. wasn't even in the eighteen on yeah. uh, on Saturday. And then now you've got Graham as well. Who's who's our first choice left winger? We don't know. Let For me, we, I, I wonder. Like, like some of these signings, uh, there seems there seems to be a lot of body signings to me. Are they have they really been signed in the belief that they're better than the players that we've got? I, mean, I think Regan mentioned this a few weeks ago. It's almost like the aggregate signing, like um, Spurs did with um, Bale when they spent all that money. They haven't really replaced Asako. They've replaced, tried to replace him in the aggregate. And it's almost like hmm. Graham, yeah. Byrne, Ojo, Henry, you know, on the, well, those three to an yeah. extent are almost like an, trying to get the best Asako in three players. And all you end up with is unhappy players. Yeah. <laughs> in many ways, because. They're all vying for the same position. They can't all play. Don't even from the game start league. Let's keep talking about wingers. Van La Parra gone off on loan to Brighton. High flying Brighton. I've got no problem with him going on loan. I've got no problem with him being transferred myself. Mm. Um, it's slightly bizarre that he goes to the top of the league. So yeah. Um, a bit. That's a bit I slightly mean, odd. I mean, Brighton must have seen something in him, but it it, it kind of makes you think. Brighton undefeated all season. I think they are they third or something like that. They're, they're, the least in the top six, yeah. You know, they must see something. In, I know it's only till January, but they must see something in him. Hmm. What is it that they are seeing being in that position? They're sure a goal at Brighton, and being able to attract James Wilson as well. That, this so, time. See, some of the signings like you touched on there, James Wilson. I don't think we could have got him given mm. the position we're in, mm. but I tell you, what, I'm really disappointed. We get we get Grant Holt and Birmingham City get James Vaughan. Now, there's no comparison with those two players. Mm. James Vaughan is a terrific player. Um, when he's fit, yeah. yeah. And like, if he's obviously fit at the moment to have made the loan, to, to have had him for a few weeks, and then if he isn't fit after a few weeks, you haven't lost a lot, it would have been a tremendous... Is run. that down to position against Birmingham 6th, are they still? 6th, 7th? Yeah, possibly, possibly yeah. is. You know. yeah. Back to the game. Anyone else who perhaps had a good game, bad game in particular? I don't think anybody had a bad game. Because um, I thought I offer again played well. Yeah, I, think, you I know. thought Jack Price played very well, um, and it, I, I thought actually Jack Price, to be fair, did try to shift more in, um, and play some more incisive balls in the final third than he has been known to. It was like he, as if he was making a real concerted effort to play balls into the channel. Mm. Um, Sorry to interrupt, John. You were correct. Bryson went back top on Saturday. I thought, I was going, ah. I thought they did. I thought, um, so top of the table, Bryson. They, went, they went, <laughs> certainly went top after the game. I don't know whether they're still top. They are. Yeah, yeah. Hmm. But I don't think he started Van Der I think he was on the bench. So he never played. He never came on. No, no he never, right, he never played. But um, no, I, 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 I couldn't pick out anybody on Saturday that was particularly bad. Mm. Um, I thought Goldborn thought, played better with Graham. I, I think he has played for a while. I, I, I think Goldborn's steadily improved, and I think um, I think having Williamson alongside him has had a lot to do with that. Which yeah. I think is where what I go back to earlier, where I think Wilkins, uh, I was about Wilkinson, then Williamson's going to be a big miss. And it's, I mean, people can say what they want about David Edwards. I know he's not everybody's cup of tea, but I actually thought he did okay on Saturday as well. I thought he, um, he you know, he, he, he remained busy. And 
I think it was testament to what he was like that Robinson did go out after the game and said that that that, that was the period where the game became more open and mm. MK Dons were able to get forward. But for me, the, the disappointment on Saturday was a favour. I've got to be yeah, honest. Yeah, yeah. But you can't say he was. Bad. I can't say he was bad. He, he, was, he, he wasn't bad, but no. he should have done better with the opportunities he had, in my opinion. And yeah. the dallying about in the last. And twenty minutes or so. But for me, that, that that's a sign that Jackie's not strong enough. Mm. I, there's no way someone like Mourinho would stand for that. Just going and just doing what, exactly what you want. There's a free role and a free role. He's taking the Mickey for me. Mm. Um, Is it positional in the sense well, where he's playing that the, he's not Sacco and Dicko have got a lot to do. Yeah, haven't they? you know, um, you take those two away from around him, um, it's a lot more difficult when he's when he's up there on his own. And I guess it goes back to something we talked about uh, a while ago with Sacco when he went through a. Uh, a bad spell at Wolves. I think it was in League One, and then Dicko came in, and him and Dicko paired up so great. It's it's the mates thing. It's almost like obviously Dicko will be around the club, but he's not going to be there really in the, on the team on match day. It's he's almost on his own in some mm. ways. A phobie. If he's up top on his own, I guess he gets on well with Lafondra, but I would think that Dicko would be his preferred strike partner. And he's almost like on, you know, would that psychology, I'm just obviously speculating here, but would that get you down mentally on and off the pitch as well? It, it, it's just a a throwaway theory. But on that happy note, all in all, uh, MK Dons, it was a clean sheet. At least we didn't lose. It's a clean sheet and a point, so yeah. it's, that's, a point near that's, that's all I can really say. Uh, so on Saturday, Wolves travel to another team down at the bottom of the table, Rotherham. Uh, they're second um, from bottom with 15 points. Uh, Neil Redfern in charge um, at the moment. Um, they won their last game 3-0 at home to Bristol City and they beat Leeds, uh, fully enough, the week before that. Um, two clean sheets. Surely this is a game that we've still got to win. Away at home. I know it's away at home, but second from bottom. If Wolves are still thinking of any kind of charge at the top later on the season these are the type of games of the team we've got we should be winning I've got horrible flashbacks of last season where we completely bossed the game and ended up losing um, and the year before we didn't we haven't, we haven't won at the new stadium no mm. and uh, yeah, it was that 3-3 three, three game three, the year three, before wasn't yeah, it yeah. trip to the Big Apple on Saturday John <laughs> yeah yeah yeah. the New York stadium absolutely mm. <laughs> looking forward to it I like Rotherham I like the ground it's, it's a terrific ground uh, as John mentioned and sorry, as Graham mentioned there 1-0 defeat second game of the season it was yeah. quite remarkable given all the chances we had and obviously the last time we played them was last at home where we had that 5-0 thrumping um, what do you think of Rotherham in general because they, they, they stayed up last season well under Steve Evans surprised that he went um, obviously, he's now at Leeds. But... They've, they've struggled to hold on to their better players. Mm. You know, every time they've had, a, a, you know, the, the, the likes of Ravel, Agard, Ben Pringle. Mm. You know, I think Neil Redfern's a solid appointment for them, really, because yeah. I don't think um, I think they'll probably protect that sort of sixteenth to tw- to twenty second sort of position mm. there. I don't think they'll ever go any, any above that. But I think he's the right sort of manager to to steady them for the time being. Um, they picked up two good results and. Mm. I'm a bit bit nervous about going there on Saturday, and mm. I shouldn't be. We shouldn't be nervous about going and playing Rotherham, but mm. I am given our precarious league form at the moment. Um, but you've got to you've got to go into that game looking for three points, no matter mm. what. We can't go up there and play for a draw like like we seem to have done in some games this season. It's got to be a case of we go up there all guns blazing, and 
even if it doesn't come off for them, at least if they go up there and put in a performance that's, that looks like it's capable of winning the game, then I think they'll start to get some of the fans back on side. But if it carries on the way it is at the moment, it's worrying. Let's talk about uh, team selection for Saturday. Um, do you make any changes to the team that started against MK Dons? Well, you've got to, haven't you? Because well, Williamson's gone. Mm. Above the <laughs> obvious. It's, it'll come back. <laughs> I won't leave you, lads. M- McLaren will have one look and say, oh no, sorry, you can go back. Ivan Sandel obviously is going to be um, there in the side. I've got a theory about um, team selection. Well, personally... What I'd go for. It's radical, but it could work. I, I, I'm not sure... It'd be a gamble, but I don't think Jackie would take it because he wouldn't want two small fullbacks. I personally would play Ior for a centre half and bring Nathan Byrne in at fullback. Okay. But you're left with two small centre halves and sorry, two small fullbacks, and, and Jackie will never, never do, never go for mm. that. I think, I think Ebanks Lander will come straight back in myself. I think mm. it's, uh, I think Kenny likes him, and it's, um, I, I think, I, I, it's the obvious choice because of the fact he's the only other real option that we've yeah, got there. Corny Horse obviously like, still injured. So there's no reason I offer can't play there. I wouldn't want to play him there. Why? I just don't think he's strong enough to be a centre back. Personally, I I I I would actually prefer Ebanks and Neil there than I offer. You strange, don't, think, you don't think there's any possibility about Carter perhaps coming into the coming into the fold? I mean, you've probably seen him. What you've seen a I've lot seen, more I've, of him. I've, than I've only I seen have. him two or three times. Ashley Carter. Carter. Yeah, I'd be very very surprised mm. if he come in to make a league debut mm. away yourself mm. at this stage of the season I, I, I wouldn't I, I wouldn't rule it out towards the end of the season yeah does the team rise itself then apart from that apart from perhaps the number 10 role again do you do you keep Edwards do you bring the Fondry maybe and drop a phobie to number 10 or and keep obviously Graham and Henry on the wings I, I, I personally I'd probably go with a Fondry starting myself and perhaps drop a phobie slightly deeper I mean I know it's criticising him for going too deep on Saturday but I think to get, I think in a game like this, you have to go with two strikers, even if you don't set out with two strikers. If it makes sense, I mean, it, it, I, th- I think they need the goal threat on the pitch. And the, the only problem you've got is that is the distance then between Price and McDonald and Lafonda and Afobi. Mm. There is a because well, it does mean Afobi's going to end up coming back in there, and none of us want that. But there, there is because there is a big gap. Price and McDonald don't play far enough up the pitch. Mm. Um, Would you say that Price is more should be playing more the deeper role than McDonald the forward role out of that combo, rather than together attack? They should be switching in the sense, or one should be. Yeah, they should be. But you, you you watch them; they play. They do they, they do play in, in a line together. They mm. do go up and down to get very much together as a as a pairing. They do, they don't go that way. It's almost like they're they they're conditioned to play in a midfield three in the sense that you've got. Price is kind of like the, to use the classic phrase about Didier Deschamps, is almost like the water carrier in a way. He's there to do the dirty work, and then you've got you've got McDonald that's like the deep line playmaker, and they're used to having that 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 other player in front of them. And it looks like if you take that, I can I can see what John's saying in the in the sense that McDonald should really be playing a bit further up out of the two of them, but it just seems to be a case of there's always that gap. So your other option is. Is Wallace who wasn't even in the eighteen on Saturday, so I can't see that one happening. And so, if it's if it's if it's Edwards and a phobia, that would probably isolate that problem a little bit more. But I think I think they've got to go with uh, with the goal threat on Saturday. I think they have. They've got to they've got to win the game. They've got to start scoring goals again. That's the only way they're going to win matches. 
How about the radical formation of three five two? And you play, and hear me out. Yeah. You play, I, and I slightly contradict what I've just said before. You play at the back three of Iowa for Bart and Goldborn, and then you play um, Price McDonald above them, and then you have room for Graham, Edwards, Henry, Afobi, Lafondra. You almost have two separate teams of attack and defence. It's radical. Who would you be playing? Who are you playing then? Are you playing Ebanks, Landell, Barton? Who? Uh, I awful Barton, Goldborn. It's radical, but I think we're in radical times now. No, no, not for me. I don't know where Goldborn plays in that three. Anywhere he likes. No, <laughs> uh, yeah, I, I couldn't see that. Well, John, you've just quashed my radical theory. I'm sure Jack is listening. He might be like, "Yeah." The only way he'd go with that, he'd, he'd, he'd be I offer into the middle, and with, with Barton, Ebanks, Landell, and you'd be playing some. Of, then you would, you, you might possibly be able to play Nathan Byrne and Goldborn as your two wide players, mm. um, and try to play it how he, did, how he played second half at Bristol City. But he played James Henry there, who hadn't got a clue how to play in that mm. position. Mm. But by playing Nathan Byrne there, at least he is playing him in a position that he's played many times yeah. before. Mm. And if you played Goldborn with Graham on the left, because they looked a lot happier as a combination on the left, that looked the, the, the happiest Goldborn's been since Sacco's gone from there. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, and it, you have got a chance, but you, you couldn't play Goldborn in the Doesn't you kind of wonder, based on, based on how we played on Saturday, that if they'd have drafted Graham in at the start of the season in that Sacco role, would that have made a big difference? Because it seems to be that he's, he's, he's almost like the closest option we've had to that sort of player, where in the fact that he's got pace, he's got a trick. He's able to put a decent ball into the box. Have we seen to have lacked that this season? Mm. The biggest thing he's got is he faces up to his man with confidence. Yeah. He's he, he, he got the ball and he looks at his man and he's confident. He, he's he's mm. got belief in himself. Do it doesn't I, reflect well on Jackie, yeah. though, this doesn't. The fact I, that he's taken to the end of November and however many... You know, to realise he's got a player there. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. But, but, um, I, I think... He, I, I, to summarise what I was trying to say is I, I just think it's got to be an all-out attack option mm. on, on Saturday. Attack, 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 attack. <laughs> Do the Man United <laughs> chat. <laughs> um, let's do predictions then for the weekend. Uh, John Bab, the Baron, um, what's your gut telling you? 1 1. 1 1. We didn't call you the Baron at the start of the podcast. No, That's, well, uh, didn't introduce just, us. No, didn't. No. We were just the old gold glory crew. <laughs> that was it. So people just guessed. Yeah, yeah. Shows you how much I'm a little prepared for this podcast this week. <laughs> I literally wrote my notes 10 minutes before we started. You're still writing them when I got Yeah. <laughs> So, uh, yeah, it was Graham Large and John Babb on the podcast this week. But I'm sure you'd guess that point there. So, 1-1, one, one, Baron. Yeah. One, one. One. Who's going to be the Wolf scorer? Maybe a Jordan Graham in there. Everyone's calling him the new Messiah. No, Danny Bart will get the equaliser off my corner. Ooh, classic corner header. Mm. Danny Bart pulled it headed home. Yeah. Lovely. Graham, what are you going to go for? Well, considering the fact I don't think I've ever got a prediction right in Wolves fan cast history, it doesn't really matter what I say, so I'll go... <sighs> I'll go 1 0 Wolves, Wolves. And I'm going to say Adam LaFondra. Ooh, I am going to be positive. And although my gut's telling me we'll probably lose 1 0, um, I'm going to go for a 2 1 away win. I think Rotherham will take the lead and Wolves will spur back into action. And I'm going for. Uh, I'm going to go for Graham. I think Graham might have one in his pocket. And. Um, a phobie. But more importantly, I'm predicting a couple of three points in the Sheffield Tap and a couple of three points in the New York Tavern. <laughs> well, that is all that matters, John. And that's where we'll leave this week's podcast. Thanks for listening. Thanks to our sponsors, Opera Creative. If you're looking for a 
new website or web solution, check them out at uppercreator.com. Follow us on Twitter at WWFC Fancast, Facebook Wolves Fancast, and email us at wolvesfootballfancast at gmail.com. And we'll be back next week to review that game against Rotherham. Just came to my head about Bolton. Because obviously a few years ago they were an established Premier League team. But there was also a Gary Megson Bolton that went to Bayern Munich and got a two-all draw. That actually happened, everybody. Well, Norwich City went. Didn't Norwich City win in Bayern Munich, didn't they? Mm. Jeremy Goss. Yeah. But in recent history. Yeah, well, that wasn't that long ago. But, um... <laughs> Little factoid for you to, to show you where, how far Bolton have, um, mm. have gone. Yeah. In days gone by. And that's where we'll leave it. Thank you very much for listening for this week. Uh, it's Boy from the Baron. Goodbye. It's Roy from Graham. Cheerio. And it's Boy from me. We'll see you next time. Attention shoppers, we now have taste in the bread aisle. Dave's Killer Bread. That's right, an organic bread that's no longer a sedative for your taste buds. Dave's Killer Bread is on a mission to make the most of the loaf, to rid the world of GMOs, high fructose corn syrup, and artificial ingredients, and plant the seeds of good in all that they bake. Killer taste, killer texture, and always organic. Dave's Killer Bread. Bread amplified.